We got snacks today. Oh, snacks to eat. Oh, cereal. Have you ever noticed how interesting people are? See, it's, it's light. Isn't it? Dude, come on. You could have totally put your hand up and caught that one. It's so amazing. Some t- oh, that was short. Life cereal. So breakfast is really one of these. I feel like I like have like a machine gun worth of it. Look at all this stuff. Okay, yeah, it's coming your direction. I'm with you. Okay, so like breakfast is this intriguing thing, right? Okay, like dinner, like if you were to serve the same thing at dinner five days in a row, well, pizza doesn't count. But if you were to serve the same thing five days in a row for like like dinner, people would be like, no, I don't want that. I mean, like in my house this last week, okay, we did this thing with salmon and we baked it in the oven with a little thyme and, and some salt and pepper and some, look at that arm. Magic! Okay, I'll even try a hook shot. Did you just see that? That was like cream. Just like dropping it in. Okay, but like, so like we have it, you know, and I always make enough for leftovers. We make enough for leftovers. That's kind of the deal, right? And so, so the day one of leftovers, no problem. Everyone's all in. Day two of leftovers? Yeah, I don't want that. But like breakfast, okay, people are like, proud of the fact that they eat the same thing day after day after day. My breakfast routine is a cup of coffee. Now, I like breakfast when I remember to eat it, and not all of us like to eat breakfast. Some of us do intermittent fasting. Some of us just skip breakfast because it's a waste of time. I like breakfast. It's just that so often I forget to eat it. Of course, in the last 40 years, the gold standard for whether breakfast food was palatable was whether or not Mikey likes it, right? Let's throw another one. I love having plenty of ammunition. Oh, that was a sweet throw, Ab. Just a little bit too much twist, and I think you could. Here, I'll get you another one. That's for Abby. That's not for you. Okay, this apparently fussy toddler who goes gaga over life cereal, right? Okay, Mikey hates everything. Give him the bowl of cereal, which is interesting, right? If you know the kid hates everything, why are you going to give him a bowl of cereal? Almost certainly he is going to hate it, but then perhaps that's the reason. My mom bought life cereal. No doubt influenced by the marketing power displayed in that 30-second interlude, which ran from 1972 to 19. 19- 86, or perhaps it was because there was a fourth child who could be relentless in wanting a particular cold cereal. I ate it fast. I mean, like, really fast. Because I don't like soggy cereal, like soggy cold cereal. I don't mind soggy warm cereal, like oatmeal. That's fine. I don't mind that. It's tough to make oatmeal crunchy, right? Well, uh, unless you're doing granola, but that's not what we're talking about right now. I, I can do hot cereals with a little bit of softness to them. But, but, but I don't like this to be crun- soft at all, okay? I know there's some people in this room this day who like cold cereal so that you can basically, like, mash it up and just, like, suck it down. I like the crunch. I like the ice-cold milk and the crunch. So in honor of breakfast that can be consistent and in memory of my youth, I give you these. And if you want, open them right now and have some snacks. Nice. I just love it when people catch things. Verse 1, Isaiah chapter 33, page 953. Ah, you destroyer, who yourself have not been destroyed, you traitor, whom none has betrayed. When you have ceased to destroy, you will be destroyed. And when you finish betraying, they will betray you. Interesting way to start the text, but based on where we get to, not at all that surprising. Basically, the verse starts out by saying, don't be surprised 
Don't be surprised when the person who cheats to be with you cheats to be with someone else. Don't be surprised when your partner in crime turns against you. Don't be surprised when playing to win leaves you at a loss. Don't be surprised when the thing you thought was a secret comes back to bite you. Don't be surprised. And you might say, well, I'm the biggest dog in the pound and nobody will mess with me. No one's going to mess with me. And I say, don't be surprised when a bigger dog comes along. Because the argument that verse 1, chapter 33 makes is that the person or the individual who engages in this life of destruction or oppression or betrayal or maybe just playing fast and loose Or another angle, the danger of being a person, maybe they're a guy or a gal who who goes to church on Sunday, right? And they love Jesus at 9 o'clock or 10.30. But then throughout the rest of the week, they kind of act like the south end of a northbound house. Because that's what it takes to be successful, right? That's what it means. This text would argue against the person who finds security in that way of life. Don't be surprised when the life that we live, assuming it's a life apart from God, comes back at us. Verse 2, O Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation in time of trouble. And really, the next chunk of verses are, are describing life, okay? Not the serial, but life, right? They're describing life, this, this reality that, that, that life seems to be difficult, hard, in times impossible. At the tumultuous noise, peoples free. When you lift yourself up, nations are scattered, and your spoil is gathered as a caterpillar gathered, as locusts leap, it is leapt upon. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, and he will be stability, abundance of salvation, wisdom, knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. Behold, their heroes cry in the streets, because even though this is who God is, this is the experience of the people in the time. And the envoys of peace weep bitterly. Even though God is here, this is what the people are experiencing. The highways lie waste. The traveler ceases. Covenants are broken. Cities are despised. And there is no regard for man. The land mourns and languishes. Lebanon is confounded and withers away. Sharon is like a desert. Bashan and Carmel shake off their leaves. In the midst of life being life... The plea of Isaiah's heart is for the graciousness of God and the willingness for them to wait. It's not a, I'm waiting, please deliver. It's not that impatient, angry, entitled kind of waiting that we often do, right? We wait for our spouse to do the right thing. And really, we're not waiting at all. We're just being a petulant child. This is a waiting that has no anger, a waiting that has no impatience. There's a waiting of expectancy without question, and an urgency, yes, yes, that is understandable. But it's waiting on God. 
It's being in a given situation and wondering, what is God going to do to surprise me? Sometimes it's waiting on God and it's simply figuring it out. Can I figure this one out? Sometimes it's pretty obvious. Sometimes we wait on God and as we're waiting, we realize, oh, it's me. I'm the problem. As we're waiting on God, do we look at a situation and say, what will God do here? As we're waiting on God, can we remind ourselves of the consistency with which God has behaved in our lives in the past? Do you do that? Do we do that? Do I do that? Something big is in front of me that, that, that would threaten to, to, to rob me of some sense of security. And I totally throw out the back door all of the consistency with which God has acted in my life. In a given situation, irrespective of what we are facing, are we able to resolve the issue to us and God? So many times we're looking for an opportunity to blame someone else, to wait for someone else to do the right thing, to, to say, oh, this is why I'm in this situation. Someone else has done this to me or this has happened to befall me. But, but are we willing to, in any situation in life, boil it down to the essence of, okay, God, what are you doing in my life? Whether that be a good thing or whether that be a very difficult thing, can we resolve the conversation back to our relationship with the God of the universe? Because in that kind of waiting, the, the promise, the promise is stability. We don't have to fear the future when we walk with God. Did you check it? The title of the uh, article was uh, Survivor by Ken Marsh. Okay, you can find it on the Department of Public Safety, Alaska.gov. Anyway, this guy by the name of Tyson Steele, mid-December, okay, he's living 30 miles away in the Alaskan wilderness from anything else, right? And, and by his own admission, he would say, I got careless, okay? He came into his uh, uh, Quonset hut, okay, um, one night, started a fire, okay, and it's sub-zero outside. It's just absolutely nuts, okay? It's just, and he's living on his own. He and his chocolate lab, right? And, and, and he comes into the Quonset hut, starts a fire, and he's like, I know I did it wrong, okay? He's like, I, I, my first mistake, my wood stove is very, very old. I got hasty. I put a big piece of cardboard in the stove to start the fire, which I know is a problem. I've had wood stoves all my life. I know you can't do that. And so the cardboard sends a spark up the chimney, right? And the spark lands on the Quonset hut. And the Quonset hut's roof is plastic, he goes to bed and wakes up at 1 or 2 in the morning. He doesn't know because he doesn't have a clock. With hot plastic dripping on him. Which is never a good scenario. It's never a good thing. 
And so he instantly runs outside and sees the entire roof of his Quonset hut. Again, he's, he's in the Alaskan wilderness, okay? He doesn't have a snow machine. He's 30 miles away from his closest neighbor, okay? He is on his own in every way, shape, or form, right? And, I, and it's all going, so he runs back inside, but, but he's greeted with a blast because a propane tank goes off. Okay, and so then he fights back his way back inside and he's going through this whole thing, right? Because he's like, I got seconds to decide what to take and what to leave. The fire reaches his, uh, his ammo supply. All of a sudden there's gunfire going off and it's just, it's like, it's nuts, right? And for the next 20 days, he's on his own. No way to contact the outside world. And the only way that he is saved is because he doesn't make a call back to his parents that he promised to do on a weekly basis. And so they send the Alaskan force after him to do a wellness check and find him living in really substandard conditions. And in some ways, I think, I think Tyson's experience is 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 life for a lot of us, right? There's this common experience day to day. I mean, he's living on his own, subsistence living. Life is pretty normal, pretty easy, pretty simple, okay? It's not that complex. And then something crazy happens and turns his life upside down. And maybe you're there today. And maybe it's because you put a piece of cardboard in a wood stove and you shouldn't have done that and you know it. Or maybe it's someone that has done something to you. And life. Life is upside down. What God provides for those who wait is stability. And what I want to tell you is that you don't have to fear the future. We don't have to fear the future when we walk with God. Verse 10. Now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will lift myself up. Now I will be exalted. Now there's a notable change in the text, right? It's, it's, it's this is moving. It's like God saying, enough, enough. We're done with this, okay? And there's a date, okay, for Isaiah when God takes his creative and sustaining power and engages in a different way. God is always at work, okay? But there are times in human history and there will ultimately be a time at the end of human history when God will take his creative and sustaining power and engage in a different way. And things that were wrong will be made right. The text argues for that. Now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will lift myself up. Now I will be exalted. You conceive chaff. You give birth to stubble. Your breath is a fire that will consume you. And the peoples will be as if burned to lime, like thorns cut down that are burned in the fire. Hear you who are far off what I have done, and you who are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling has seized the godless. Who among us can dwell with a consuming fire? God shows up big, right? And everyone's like, what what do we do with this? How, How can we stand? The answer, verse 15, he who walks uprightly, righteously rather, and speaks uprightly, who despises the gain of oppressions, who shakes his hand lest they hold a bribe, 
who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and who shuts his eyes from looking on evil. He will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. His bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. They will see a land that stretches afar. Your heart will muse on the terror. Where is he who counted? Where is he who weighed the tribute? Where is he who counted the towers? You will see no more insolent people, the people of an obscure speech that you cannot comprehend, stammering in a tongue that you cannot understand. Behold, Zion, the city are our appointed feast. Your eye will see Jerusalem, an untroubled habitation, an immovable tent, whose stakes will never be plucked up, nor will any of its cords be broken. But there the Lord in majesty will be for us, a place of broad rivers and streams, where no galley with oars can go, nor majestic ship can pass. This date when God takes his creative and sustaining power and engages in a different way. Look at the history of the world. Look at those throughout the history of the world who have sought to control, to dictate, to own, to destroy, to manipulate or defraud or embezzle or steal or lie or murder or cheat. They only get to go for a certain period of time before they are corrected. The Spanish Inquisition, the Holocaust, the slave trade, internment camps, Trail of Tears are all examples of evil that is no longer allowed to exist. A day when a bigger dog has come along. A day when the people realize they are not the biggest dog in the room. Verses 14 and 15, again, this position and response. Who can stand in the face of God? Who can stand in in the face of this life reality? And, And then the answer. And it's not complex. Behavior. Behavior matters. How we act betrays our heart. How we act tells the truth about who we are. And for those who are found in God, who have a relationship with God, who act in a way of waiting on God and are granted that stability and look at life not in a series of what is wrong with the world around me, but how does my life need to change to better follow God? Well, verses 18 and 19, it's like the terror is over. When you read Tyson Steele's story, once he's rescued, he, he recounts it. And, and, and one of his first requests was a, a number two combo meal from McDonald's, you know? And, and, he's, and now that it's over, he's just dining on fine food, right? Where's the author of Terror now? I'm gone. I'm going to go back to my folks, spend some time with them, and then come back home, which is in this valley far away from people. And this notion of a tent that doesn't move which is just an intriguing, intriguing wordplay. Because a tent is supposed to move. Even a tent that's securely pegged down moves in the wind, and this is a tent that doesn't move. The stability is so unusual. A day when, when all that bad is made better. I read an article this last week about Noonan, Georgia. Um, Noonan, Georgia, it's uh, south where is it? South. It's outside of Atlanta. I thought I was going to say Southwest. Let's go with Southwest outside of Atlanta. At any rate, um, in 2018, uh, um, the, the city leaders of Noonan were informed that uh, a neo-Nazi group was going to hold a demonstration 
And, and the city fathers, mothers, people of the town really didn't like it. Noonan isn't a big town. And, um, and basically they were told, we're going to hold um, this rally um, because, you know, we perceive that, that, that this town would be favorable to, to our rally. Well, truth of the matter is the rally didn't even get off the ground because Noonan wasn't in favor of the rally. And in fact, there was a, a group of individuals who held services beforehand, pastors in the area who united together in unity against, against this neo-Nazi expression of, of racism. And then in the, in the aftermath of that, Noonan did this intriguing thing, okay? What they did was they commissioned a photographer to take pictures of people who lived in Noonan, Georgia, okay? And, and would post them in huge, huge, huge um, uh, landscape portraits and then put them on the side of walls, okay? And so you saw pictures of, of Helen Berry, who's an African-American woman who worked for years at a sewing factory, and, and Wiley Driver, a white worker who folded and packed blankets at a local mill before his death in 2017, and Jeanette Blanco, a, a waitress who arrived in Noonan carrying her Mexican traditions and dreams, and, and then a portrait of Atika and Zahra Shah wearing hijabs. And, and you see all of these pictures around town, right? Because the town said, this is who we are, and we're not that, that thing that's over there. What was intriguing is there was a, a couple of different pastors that had their, their pictures on the wall. A Reverend Rufus Smith Sr., a distinguished African-American who, who leads a local church. And, and Reverend Jimmy Patterson. And, and what they did was, was they, they pulled together and had this, well, they had this unified church service. And it was led by Reverend Jimmy Patterson. He's the pastor of First Baptist Church of Newman, and he was one of the several ministers who led this unity service. And then what happened next in the story was like, I didn't see this one coming. He used the occasion to apologize for a dark chapter in his family's history. One of his ancestors had owned enslaved people in a nearby county, and in researching his genealogy, Mr. Patterson, who is white, found a will bequeathing them to a family member. He kept the will secret for 13 years telling his family about it only days before going public. Mr. Patterson believed the time had come for him to reconcile with his past. And so he spoke. And one by one, he began to read the names of the individuals in the will, humans that were considered property, lumped in the same category as cattle and furniture. And some of the people in the church gasped, and some began to cry, as Mr. Patterson talked about the sin of racism, passed down almost like an heirloom and all the years it had taken him to unlearn his own prejudices. And then he asked for forgiveness. Now, it's unlikely that we have owned slaves in this room, but the story is powerful. A, a guy who you would say, okay, here's the dude that stands up in front of everyone. He's lily, lily perfect, right? And yet he's willing to say, what is not right in me or in my past? What things need to be taken down? What need, things are consistent with verse 10 in which God says, enough. And, and I don't know what it is for you. But for some of us, we need to come to grips with what happens in our past. For some of us, we need to ask for forgiveness for the things that we've done. Things that, that we are, think are well covered over by time. 
The text concludes, verse 22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king, and he will save us. Your cords hang loose. They cannot hold the mass firm in its place or keep the sail spread out. Then prey and spoil in abundance will be divided. Even the lame will take the prey. And no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. It's the hope of the future. It's God as judge, as lawgiver, as king, as savior. Oppression, the oppressors, the cords that hold, are no longer to even hold a sail open. And we see God at his very best creating a redemptive story, destroying the oppressor. And please understand, the oppressor seeks to destroy each and every one of us. The sin in our life seeks to destroy us. And we have this picture of a day when when even the lame will hunt. No one will be sick. And the people of God, forgiven. I like life because I like being in relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray the same is true for you. Please pray with me. Father, challenge us with your word. Enable us to see clearly who we are without you and how desperately we need you. And for those of us that are dealing with junk in our past, stuff that we've never asked for forgiveness for, let today be a day where we come clean on those items. And for those of us that are struggling with junk that exists in our past that we have asked for forgiveness for, let us have the confidence that we can possess in you because we are forgiven. Enable us to live, to wait, to enjoy you. Father, thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.